It's that time again. It's Greek for the week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. Welcome to the Greek for the Week podcast. I'm Chris Palmer, and we're going to get into the Beatitudes today. The Beatitudes. This is a place in the New Testament that today, maybe maybe it's just my circles, but I don't see it get a lot of play the way that, the way that I think it should, because I think the Beatitudes are, are such an important part of Christianity. And I would really go as far to say it's so important that if you don't know the Beatitudes, or you aren't obeying the Beatitudes, then I'd have to question whether one who doesn't practice the Beatitudes really even understands what Christianity is or what Christianity is about. You know, Jesus taught us how to follow him. That's very important because that means that there's a way for us to follow Jesus. So if we want to be followers of Jesus, we have to follow him the way he tells us to follow him, not the way that we want, the way that we think we should, or the way that's convenient for us, because we're going to see as we go through this series on the Beatitude that there's really nothing convenient about following Jesus. And if there is, maybe we've created our own way of following him. And so Matthew chapter 5 to 7, which is the whole entire Sermon on the Mount, tells us contrary-wise. And so let's jump into it, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. I just want to say before we do that today, that if you enjoy this podcast, go ahead and give it a five-star on on whatever, if you use Spotify or if you use Apple, it really helps us give a nice review. Also, Amazon.com, Letters from Jesus, it is still available. It will always be available on Amazon, God willing. And uh, it's actually at a really nice sale price right now. It is really on sale, so Amazon just loves to give you stuff almost. So go on today, pick it up. And if you haven't given it five stars on Amazon, that really helps me. And uh, do that today if you could. Really would help Greek for the Week, myself, and my church, Light of Today. And we have a new Greek for the Week book that is coming out in the summer. More about that when we get closer to the date. Uh, I don't want to spoil the surprise just yet, but there's more coming. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 1. It says here, Seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. This is a very important verse because Matthew is writing about Jesus and portraying him to be like Moses. Moses went up to Sinai. He got the laws of God, came down, he gave them to the people. But we see Jesus being depicted almost like a Moses here, going up to the mountain. And as he goes up to the mountain, he's not going to receive new laws from God, but rather he's going to take the law of God and he's going to start to reinterpret it. Now that's so important because... We, we know Jesus as the healer and as the Savior, as Lord, as a prophet, and many other th- roles that he plays in the New Testament. But one of those roles that we have to see him as, as an in, is an interpreter of the Word of God. Being God, being the one who gave the law, he's now going to come and reinterpret the law. And the way that he does that is really in the Sermon on the Mount. And the opening of the Sermon on the Mount is something called the Beatitudes. Now, This word beatitude in English oftentimes gets confused with the idea of your attitude. This is the attitude of the Christians. But truthfully, the word beatitude, beatus, is a Latin word that has to do with connection or definition to meaning supremely blessed or happy or or blessed. And I like it when people say supremely blessed because that's we're going to see in just a second. That's really what this is talking about. And 
not necessarily your attitude. So I, I don't know if you want to make the connection or not, but really it has to do with being supremely blessed. And we find there are eight Beatitudes. It seems like there's nine, but the last one goes with the eighth. So you could say eight or nine, but really there's eight. And Jesus is going to teach us about how we as his followers are to act and the benefits of acting the way that Jesus wants us to. And these are important. And so the next few weeks on Greek for the Week, we're going to go through every beatitude. We're going to talk about them and see how they apply to our life. Now, I've mentioned the beatitudes before on Greek for the Week, and we're going to look just a little bit more at it and review. But we'll notice they all begin with the same word, blessed. And if you look at it in the Greek, the Greek word here for blessed is makairioi, which is a plural. Uh, it comes with the Greek word makairos. And we'll notice that chapter, uh, verse 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11 begin with this word. And uh, so when you're looking at it in English and in the Greek, it's very obvious that this is almost poetic or there's rhythm and scale to this. It's a, it's a very beautiful piece of literature. Um, but before we get into the definition of... Makairioi, let's look quickly and notice a few things that in verse number three, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, we find that when we look at that, this here is being portrayed in the present tense. Now, tense shifts are very important in the Greek because they kind of tell us a little bit about what's going on. You just don't shift out of one tense and into another tense if there's not a reason to do that. And so it appears here that as we move from verse number three to verse number four, we'll see that blessed are those that mourn for they shall be comforted. Now we find ourselves in the future tense. And the future tense continues from verse four to five, to six, to seven, to eight, to nine. And then in 10, we see for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and we're back into the present tense. So you have the present tense, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then between two presents, which is verse three, and here in verse number 11, you have the future tense, which is they shall be comforted, they shall inherit the earth, they shall be satisfied. They shall receive mercy. They shall see God. They shall be called sons of God. And then in verse number 10, Matthew just puts it right back into the present tense, for there is the kingdom of heaven. What's he doing right here? I think this is a literary device that Matthew is using to suggest that the Beatitudes have benefit both in this life and in the next to come. And not only is the benefit in this life and the next to come, but the majority of the benefit is going to be in the life to come that even though we're receiving some benefit now, as good as that benefit may be, the bulk of the benefit is during the eschatological arrival of the kingdom of God. That's very important for us as Christians because we have to really get it into our minds and drive it into our mindset that, yes, we can have a good life now. I do believe God wants us prosperous today. I'm not on that bandwagon that we should all just throw all of our stuff to the wind and, and live as paupers and poor people our whole entire lives. I'm not on that bad wagon. 
But what we do have to realize as Christians is that no matter what our standard of living is, there is another life and we can't be comfortable in this life. And a lot of the things that are unsettled in this life may remain unsettled the, the whole entirety of our life. Questions that we have, injustices that we see, difficulties that we face, problems that we encounter may not be ironed out in this life. And if that's our hope that at some point this is going to be ironed out in this life, you might find yourself disappointed when you get towards the end of your life, maybe in your 80s, and you say, I still haven't figured out the answers to these questions. Well, you probably won't in the life that you live because it's just not in the cards. That we as believers have to hope for the next life. And so many times we get distracted. You know, one of the best books I've ever read in conversation with people, if they said to me, what are the three books that you have to read to understand Christian thought? I would say, number one, Letters from Jesus. I'm just teasing. <laughs> just joking. That's a joke. Number one, I would say the number one book is probably The Pilgrim's Progress. I mean, this used to, I, my mother told me when she was in school as a, as a uh, elementary student or junior high student, when she was in school, okay, she was born in 49, 1949, so we're talking the 50s, okay, early 60s, she had to read The Pilgrim's Progress at a public school, okay, schools were different back then, and she was reading Pilgrim's Progress, and what this was developing Christian thought at that time, this was Christian thought shaping the minds of people and we get into a day today that we don't have school systems that really allow, especially in the public school systems, Christian thought to be read just for the sake of English class. And But, but what I'm also finding is that a lot of Christians, they haven't read stuff like this. They haven't read good Christian thought, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. I mean, we could go through the whole list of books that really are very important for us as Christians, because so much of the devotional stuff has become, or so much of the stuff out there today has become devotional. You know, how can I have a good day? How can I make it through my week? Give me something to inspire me and encourage me. I've had a bad day. How, what? Give me something to lift me up. Not against it, but I am against that taking the place of the rightful, the rightful place of Christian literature to shape Christian thought. And the Pilgrim's Progress was so important because it's this journeyman named Christian, at the very first two or three pages of the book, he has a burden on his back, and he meets a man. Well, first, he tells his family, his wife and his kids, I have this burden on my back, I'm trying to get rid of it, and I don't know what to do about it, and, and they laugh at him, and they make fun of him, and he just wants to be saved from this burden on his back. You know, it's all figurative speech, it's, it's allegory. And then he meets a man by the name of Evangelist, and the name, the, 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 the man evangelist kind of explains to him what this burden is. In order to be saved from the burden, you have to go, he points the way towards the eternal city. It's kind of like a Wizard of Oz thing, except this was written before Wizard of Oz. And he tells him, go towards the, the eternal city. And then obstinate comes along and tries to tell him, no, you can't leave. You can't, you, you can't, don't try to go to eternal city. Stay here. And they make fun. And he goes through this whole journey all the way to the eternal city. And it's about living the life of a Christian. And how this life is filled with pain, it's filled with difficulties, it's filled with hardship, it's filled with so much inconvenience, and there's never any comfort to serving Christ other than the comfort that he gives us. The world's not going to comfort you. 
I don't know if you understand that or you, you've you've realized that by now, but you're not going to go out into the world in your place of business and they're going to make you feel good about being a Christian. That doesn't happen. I mean, it could, but it doesn't. Not most of the places. Being a Christian today comes with persecution, especially in other countries. The USA, we have freedom of speech. We're supposed to have freedom of speech. We're supposed to not be censored. But with that comes, people can tell you what they think about you serving Jesus. So it's not an easy life. It's becoming more and more difficult. And, and the Beatitudes are, are telling us how to live, okay, and serve Christ in a time where, where there's hostility towards being a Christian. First thing that it says here is blessed. Now, this is, it's very important to understand what this word means if we're going to get into a true understanding of what the Beatitudes are trying to say. And makairios, which is a singular in the Greek would mean, we have it in the ESV here, blessed. Maybe you have another translation that says happy. But that really doesn't capture the full benefit of the word. The best way that we could state this is not just a one-word translation. Some of these translations that are just going word for word in the Greek, they have to give the best one word or maybe the best two words for it, but they can't start putting in a description. This word isn't really understood by another word. It's gonna kind of has to be described. The best way you can translate it is perhaps by saying to be envied or the person that does this is or, or to have a better life, a, a life that is so full of meaning and purpose that those around him envy that person. And when I say have a better life, it means that your life's on another level and it's on another rung. Now, I have to be careful when I say that in 21st century America because if I'm preaching to people who are consumeristic and those that um, are materialistic, which is a very big temptation in, in USA or North America where I'm from because there's so much wealth and there's so much prosperity, the moment that I say blessed or better off or to be envied, okay, we equate that with status and we equate that with things, and we equate that with possession, keeping up, as we say, keeping up with the Joneses, somebody that has position based upon material gain and wealth, and that's not necessarily what it means. You know, when we say the blessing, the blessing of God, that has, that word kind of has been hijacked to mean abundance of prosperity. The blessing of God means I am so supremely blessed, it means to have abundance and my house, graze on my job, and I'm not against those things, but I am against that being your only perception of what it means to be blessed because then it becomes, and I'm all for capitalism politically, and I don't get into politics here, okay? I'm not into socialism. I think socialism dooms countries. But we have to remember that the capitalism here in the United States, okay, is that there's winners and there's losers, and that works in capitalism because it drives competition, but that competition sometimes spills over into our spirituality, and we have to separate that. This isn't talking about, well, he has the bigger house, and I have the smaller house, so he wins and I'm losing. No, that's capitalism, but that's not what this is talking about here when it's referring to the blessing of God. Blessing of God isn't always a, an indicator or, I should say, tied to understanding God's favor. Blessing of God means I'm favored of God. I got the favor of God. Yeah, not, not always are those two words related. Blessing could simply mean 
that God is pleased with your life, where it's at right now in the moment. You may not be on, live, uh, have a mansion on the, on the block in town that is the nicest, but you actually may live in a two-bedroom apartment, a one-bedroom apartment. But there's something about your life that God is very pleased with versus the person who's down the street, they get the bigger house, but to the sinner, and God's not pleased with their life. They're not blessed, you're blessed, because the blessing of God starts with God being pleased in your life. Even if you never got out of that one-bedroom apartment, I'm not saying you shouldn't try. Some people might be content in a one-bedroom apartment. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> if they want to live there for whatever reason, okay? There's some people that don't need big stuff to make them happy. Well, the point is, God is pleased with the person. God looks at them and says, I'm pleased with this individual. And not only that, but the blessing of God is the ability in your life to see, no matter what the circumstances are, where God's grace is at work in your life. To see in your life could be difficulty, could be trials and challenges, but to still recognize that despite this, the grace of God is working right here in this situation. I see it at work, and I'm able to give God thanks. That's so important that we, we by the Spirit, are able to recognize where God is at work in our lives and still give Him praise for it and still give Him glory because there are a lot of people that are blind and things really aren't that bad, but they can't see the forest for the trees. They are blind to it and don't see how God's at work in their life. And it's a blessing to be able to see that. You know, my life began to change when I decided that in 2020, I don't care what happens in 2020 in the sense of challenges, trials. I am going to be thankful every day. And in order to really be thankful from the heart, I really have to know why I'm thankful. I can't just have this mental ascent to thankfulness because then it's just me performing like a robot. I'm thankful for the air that I breathe, God. Unless I really understand why I need, why I should be thankful for that, it's not going to come from the heart. Asking the Holy Spirit, give me revelation of where I'm at in my life today to be thankful. And, and I'll tell you a story. I remember one day I came into church early on, a couple weeks ago, really right at the start of January, and I saw my parents there. And they attend my church. And seeing my parents there touched my heart in a way that having a church for almost five years now never has before. And I, I got convicted by God, and I said, Lord, Lord, I've never really thanked you that my parents are in my church. My, my dad is 71, my mother's 70, and I'm 35. And, and I thought, wow, you know, at this point in my life, I get to preach to my parents every Sunday. And they're my biggest fans, you know. They're back there, and, you know, it doesn't matter what I preach. They're smiling. And, and I just got on my knees. I said, thank you, Jesus, that I have the opportunity to preach to my parents. So for them to see me as a pastor, to see the fruit of them raising me, and I can honor them through carrying the legacy of Jesus Christ, and they get to be a part of that and see that. Because there's some people that they never get to experience that. And you know something? Having my parents there is more important to me than having 10,000 people. You know? And so my heart changed. And every day I see them. And, you know, they're my parents. I love them. But we're family, right? So there's times where <laughs> you understand. But, but I love them. 
I'm thankful they're there, and I'm never, I'm, I'm, I'm never taking that for granted again in my life. You know something? That's the blessing of God. That's God's blessing at work in my life. No matter if it's a difficult Sunday or a difficult week, I can be happy to see my parents in church. And you know what? That's the same. That's the same. No matter where you're at in life, you want to raise on the job. You want to raise on the job. Well, oh, I'm just. I hate this job. I hate working here. I don't like. I don't like my employer. And then God can begin to show you things about that. And causes your heart to be glad, causes your life to be glad. And you know what? You're experiencing the blessing of God. And, and the scripture says that a person that is like this, the word makairios means will be envied. People around you will start to envy you. The world will start to start to envy you. And you say, point is not to try to be malicious or malevolent or nefarious and get these people to, you know, make them jealous. Make your haters jealous. No, no, no. That's not what it's about. But it's just telling you the quality of your life. So why are they jealous? Or why would they be envied? Because the world is trying to add more to their life every day. They're out there chasing the sun, chasing the wind, I should say. And more investments, more stocks, more. And then they realize uh, this really doesn't satisfy. You start having success in business and start putting money in your bank account. And, and yes, you get comfortable, but you start spending more than the more you make, the more you got to worry about keeping. And then you start to realize that it's never enough and it's not completely satisfying. Well, then you try to get it in your social life and, and maybe get it in your family. You take comfort in family. But, you know, family can become an idol too. Family, you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul was really expecting in his day the eschaton to come. He re Paul really believed during his time Jesus was coming back, and he told the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that he recommended in light of the fact that Jesus was coming not to get married. <laughs> we don't hear that today. I'm not, I don't begrudge marriage. I think marriage, the Bible starts off with the marriage, it ends with the marriage, and there's plenty of marriages in between. The ministry of Jesus starts off with the marriage. Marriage is wonderful. I want to get married one day. Um, but Paul's saying, hey, in light of Jesus coming, marriage can become a tremendous distraction. Your family can end up becoming an idol to keep you from serving the Lord. It doesn't mean you don't provide for your family, okay, and neglect your family, but it there, there it shouldn't be a distraction to keep you from accomplishing what God said that you're supposed to do, okay? So that's what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And so some people try to satisfy their life with with maybe just their marriage or their family, and they realize that doesn't work because there's still, there's still more to it. And they try all sorts of stuff. But you know what? Jesus is telling you, that true satisfaction comes from following him the way that he said he needs to be followed. And we begin with the Beatitudes. And when people see you doing what's in the Beatitudes, they will envy you because something about your life tells, you, tells them that you've unlocked some sort of secret because they see the contentment, the personal satisfaction, and the purpose that you're living with that comes from being obedient to what Jesus says about how to follow his kingdom. And so it's tremendous that I would say the biggest secret to life is the biggest, you know, you see these YouTube commercials today. Sometimes I listen to preaching when I'm in the shower and, you know, I have it full blast on my iPhone and a YouTube commercial comes on and I have to endure it because I'm in the shower and I don't want to get out and get the whole carpet, the, 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 the tiles wet and then touch the button with my soapy hand, you know, and, and, so I'm just like, oh, okay, how long is this commercial going to be? And it's some guy telling you the secret to all his money and success. But, you know, we all know the truth. Even if you do, the one in few that actually are going to actually 
take him up on his offer and may get a little success here and there, they're still not going to be satisfied. Because satisfaction comes from unlocking the purpose of life, and that is being obedient to what Jesus has to say. So the person that does this, what Jesus is saying with the word here, blessed, the person that does this will be Makairioi. They have unlocked a secret about life that brings personal satisfaction and divine purpose, and when it's seen by other people, they will wonder, what have you? what is it that you have done because I need that in my life? That is how we start the Beatitudes. And we'll be back more with Greek for the Week coming up as we go through all eight Beatitudes, and we're going to see that next time it begins with your need for God, understanding that right off the bat in life you have a need for God. Okay, so remember, give this podcast five stars and pick up Letters from Jesus today on Amazon.com. We'll see you next time on Greek Fleet. God bless. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.